0: This insert is brought to you by Radio K Pulpit 7 to 9am Please visit kpulpit.co.za to today's show, Voice of Change, with myself, Lauren Jacobs. You are on Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m., and welcome. I hope that you've had a wonderful day, and I hope that you are looking forward to being with us for the rest of the evening, because we have some exciting content coming up. We have some exciting shows with our amazing presenters, so you are going to love what we have in store for you today. But right now, it's Voice of Change, and I want to say that this evening, we're going to be talking about a topic that is, you know, quite sensitive and is very very necessary for us to talk about because we're going to be talking about fgm or fgmc as it's also known you know female cutting or female circumcision and these practices happen in many communities in many different communities around the world and it affects globally has already affected 200 million young girls now that is a big number and you might think that is happening in far out places but not so it's happening in America in the UK it happens all over Africa it happens every single place where you can think of there are these practices that is happening it's rooted in a lot of different you know beliefs or stigmas attached to it so it's cloaked in, in secrecy really and today I'm joined by such a powerful voice on this topic a survivor as well as an activist against FGMC Shabana Feroz and you know Shabana is so incredible she's going to be sharing her story so openly And you know there's so much in her story that we need to hear and also how we can collectively be a bigger voice a better voice you know on working together even if we haven't been affected by certain things knowing that these kind of practices are harmful they're against human rights and they are affecting so many millions of little girls who have these things done to them without their consent without even knowing what's happening they're not allowed to talk about it afterwards this should really stir us to think how can we get involved in speaking out against this how can we do that how simple is it is it difficult shabana is also going to be sharing that with us now a little bit about her is that she runs the silver kick company which is a creative agency which makes brands have a bigger impact through better marketing she's also a freelance fitness instructor and she has published a book of her own called Loving Yourself in Style and she is also a volunteer with Sayo a global NGO working in female genital cutting and she is quite an incredible human being. You're going to be hearing all about her story today but also all about this practice that we need to learn about and I just want to say of course you know when we talk about something like this it is a adult conversation. We will be using terminology that we have to talk about you know when we are thinking about these kind of practices. So that's just a tiny little bit of a disclaimer for the beginning of the show that we are going to be talking about terms that we have to think about and so know that know that this is a safe space it's going to be a great conversation and we're creating a safe space today because you know shabana is here she's sharing her story with us she is sharing openly so that we can learn but also she resembles what it means to survive these practices but also in sharing her story you know we suddenly realize someone has experienced this and it's important that we realize that these we look at a stat such as 200 million we think that's a big number but these are actual real women real little girls who are still young. Some of them are older and have survived and haven't been able to speak through their trauma. And so Shabana is with us and she's going to be doing that. So welcome to Voice of Change. Shabana, I am really, really happy that you have joined me on the show Voice of Change today. It's so good to have you. I know that you're going to be talking about something that's very important to talk about today and also something that people don't often talk about enough. So welcome to today's show and thank you for being here.
1: Thank you so much for inviting me,
0: Lauren. It's a pleasure to be here. So I know that, you know, we're going to be talking about something that, you know, the world often says and calls FGM. And I think for a lot of listeners, they probably think, well, what exactly is that? You know, I've maybe heard kind of, you know, the, the little FGM letters. I have no idea what it is. It's a big reality. Mm-hmm. Tell us
1: a bit what actually is FGM. So FGM is female genital mutilation. We also call it FGC, female geni- genital cutting. So we actually refer to it as FGMC to include both of these terms. It's a broader term. Uh, female genital mutilation or female genital cutting is when any part of the clitoris or the labia is cut. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's done as a rite of passage or a ritual or a tradition. There are four types of female genital cutting mm-hmm. uh, from type one going to um, nicking or cutting the hood of the clitoris to type four, where I might be wrong, but yeah, they remove, they they just hack away a lot of pieces from the vagina basically. Mm.
0: When we hear this, we often think, wow, this is a practice that's, you know, is probably done far off in distant places. We don't know where this is happening, but actually statistically we know over 200 million girls in the world have already had this done and you have your own personal story today you are just a powerful voice an anti-FGMC activist but you have your own personal story would you love to share that with us today I know it's uh, quite a personal story and I think it would be a blessing to just hear your journey
1: So basically, I come from uh, the Bohra community, the Dawoodi Bohra community. It's a Muslim sect, it's a sect of Islam in which they believe that uh, FGC should be performed on girls and uh, it should be performed between the ages of six to eight. So I live in Bahrain Mm -hmm. and um, if I'm not wrong, it's illegal over here. It doesn't, there, there aren't any strict laws actually stating this, but it's not usually performed over here. So, um, and I I am originally Indian. Okay. So my mom took me back to India. We used to go to India for summer vacations. And uh, on one such summer vacation, my mom took me when I was maybe six years old to this, um, this woman's house, she said, we're going somewhere. And uh, she took me to this lady's house. And uh, uh, they told me to lie down, uh, take off my underwear, and then I saw a blade. Um, you know, it's just that old-fashioned blade, the mm-hmm. razor blade. And then I just felt a really sharp pain, and and I felt bleeding. And I was crying and screaming because I was in pain. And mm-hmm. I all I remember is um, the lady who cut me, yelling at me to stop shouting and screaming and shoving a Toblerone chocolate in my face. Hmm. And uh, that's it. And I had no idea what had happened, why it had happened, what it was. No one spoke about it after that. But sort of everybody knew that something had happened. And uh, my memory actually blocked the incident. Hmm. And I think maybe I was um, maybe I think in 2016 or 17, when my younger brother told me that that uh, you know that this, it's called Khatna in the Dawoodi Bohra community. The the term for FGC is Khatna. And there's a lot of secrecy around it. Men are not told about it. Brothers are not told about it. Fathers don't even know about it. The women just take the young girls to get it done. Mm-hmm. So my brother was watching a documentary and I believe that documentary was by Sahio, which is an anti-FGMC international organization. So he was watching a documentary called, I think the, a nick of skin or something and then he said that you know this still happens in our community and he was so angry and he told me you know what maybe your really really bad period pain is because of this and that's when I realized that oh my goodness he's right I have had it done to me I my memory had just totally totally blocked it out and that's when it all came back and since then I have been working with not just Sahio, but several anti FGMC organizations to try and end, try and bring an end to this practice. That's my personal story. Mm, thank you so much for sharing that. It's so powerful because I think
0: sometimes, like I said, we often think, oh, well, you know, certain things happen and it happens far away and we don't know about it. And, you know, we can just kind of then. It's, it's not really, doesn't really become real to a lot of people, you know, because it's like, oh, it's something that happens far away, but that's actually not the truth. And today you also are making it real for us as we, as we are hearing your story. And I think what's so powerful is you working now alongside organizations and raising your own voice to speak up against what is actually happening, because this is also a human rights violation, but it's also something that is so so intense that it's happening to girls all around the world and like you also said to us you know there's a lot of secrecy you know it's not spoken about in in your in your work as you know working as an activist in this area what are some of the things that you've really learned have you you know heard stories that have been hard to hear or have you been really encouraged to see that people are really fighting against this practice and that they can come change i think
1: yes for sure i've heard a lot of stories that have been really hard to hear especially since I became an advocate uh, to try and stop this practice I have started speaking to all of my girlfriends who have uh, young daughters to all my cousins I have started speaking to all the women in my family and then the stories that I hear they're just they're just heartbreaking because Mm. for example my best friend um, I asked her I was like have you got this done to your daughter? And she was like, and and I was hoping that because there was so much going on about stopping FGMC and because she's an educated lady and she's my age, that she wouldn't have done this. So she said, Mm. yes, my mother-in-law took my daughter and she got it done without telling me. Mm. So, you know, that was just heartbreaking. I was like, no, 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 this is not right. Because that girl is going to grow up remembering that, you know, feeling like the the women, the family that was supposed to protect her, betrayed her. She will have a grudge against her mother. Why? Why did you let this happen to me? And then uh, another heartbreaking story was when I was talking to my cousins and I asked one of my cousins about her and and she's 15 years younger than me. Mm -hmm. And I asked her, did you have this done to you? And she said, yes, in Bahrain. And I was shell shocked. I said, what? It doesn't happen over here. So she told me that one of the doctors, the lady doctors from our community, did it, performed it on her Mm. inside the mosque. Wow. Because it's not, yeah, it's not legal. You can't do it inside a clinic, right? Yeah. So when she said, I was so shocked. And I was just like, you know, I really, I really want to stop this woman from practicing, from being a doctor. She's a doctor. She's not supposed to do these things. It's exactly like the Detroit case that's going on. And I am trying, but it's very difficult with the laws over here. Mm, But yeah, yeah. these are some of the stories that I hear. And these are some of the things that, you know, um, there are some women who say, yes, we, we stand with you. But then there are a lot of them who are afraid of being outcast by the community, afraid of raising their voice, afraid of even talking about it, So I've learned a lot. I've learned that you have to really be tactful and you have to know how to talk about it. People have different kinds of wounds. Then you have different kinds of trauma. They need to heal in different kinds of ways. They have a different journey. Mm. So, yes, for sure, I've learned a lot in this journey.
0: Mm. And, And I'm thinking as well, you know, like you mentioned trauma, And I think that that must be quite deep as well, you know, the trauma of this. And often, like you also said, you know, your memory had blocked it out, the experience. But then I I wonder how many times that trauma does come back. And sometimes you could remember it at different times. Or, you know, we we often think of like triggers or moments. And that must be quite traumatic, like almost re-traumatizing.
1: It was uh, in one of Sayo's webinars uh, about, I think, um, healing, there was this, um, one of the speakers was a psychologist. Mm-hmm. And she said this, this amazing thing. She said that, you know, this trauma is one of the most difficult traumas to get over. Why? Because someone who this is a betrayal trauma, someone mm-hmm. who was supposed to protect you, your parent took you over here. So this is something that you're not going to get over. She was like, don't even try, don't try and heal yourself completely, you're not, all you're going to do is try and reduce those feelings, try and, you know, feel better. And there will be sometimes in the journey, it's not a straight journey, it keeps looping, there are twists, there will be sometimes, like you said, some things will trigger it, you'll get angry, you will feel Mm. the trauma again. So yes, for sure, you know, there are so many times, I live with my parents, and there are so many times when I get angry at my mother, and, or maybe she's trying to do something which she thinks is in my best interest. And this flashes before my eyes when I get, you know, I feel this sudden spike in anger hmm. because I feel like I, and, I, and that's exactly what I feel that you did this to me when I was so young. When I was a child, I didn't have any rights. I didn't have a voice. I could not protest it. I could not fight it off. So wow. what makes you think that you're going to do something uh, in my best interest now? Or what makes you think that I can trust you so mm-hmm. it really does have a lifelong impact and it does lead to a lot of other trust issues. I've, it was very hard for me. I had commitment issues. It was very hard for me to be able to trust a partner. And I didn't even realize that this was the reason because my memory was blocked.
0: Mm-hmm. And then
1: later on, when I realized I said, oh, this is why it's so difficult for me to trust anyone to come near me. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Wow. Wow, exactly that. Betrayal trauma is so intense.
0: You know, I was a trauma therapist for a number of years before I went into journalism and my main work was with women and, you know, gender-based violence and assault and rape and oftentimes by the hands of people that you know. You know, most, most survivors are telling stories about someone in their family that harmed them and that betrayal is... So traumatic, just like you're sharing with us today. It's it's so intense. You know, sometimes family members they don't protect you even from someone that harmed you or committed a, a assault against you or anything like that. And and that that is so intense. How have you found your in your personal journey? What has really helped you to be able to, you know, kind of heal parts of yourself and be able to come. Become kind of like a voice, you know, for other people who have probably experienced this but haven't found their voice yet. What has kind of helped you? Have you felt like there's been very important things that have really helped you heal along the way?
1: I think that for sure sharing my story has helped me. It has helped me heal. I didn't the thing is that when when you survive something like this, you don't think, you don't think that sharing your story will help. Yeah. But sharing your story, especially amongst others who have survived this or who have experienced the same thing or who have had relatives and family members, like even with men who've had this done to their sisters and they're so angry about it, it really helps. So being a part of Serio in which I get to tell my story in which I get to uh, attend, I've attended and uh, taken a part in programs such as Voices to End FGMC, Mm -hmm. in which my entire story and my aspect of it is made into an illustrated video. These kind of things, they really help because you hear other survival stories, you hear how other women have been impacted. So you really get that sense that you're not alone. Hmm. This is not something which has just happened to you. Others might have it worse. Others might have it lesser. And uh, also what has really helped me is doing everything I can to try and stop it. Yeah. I have, um, I own a creative agency and I'm the official now I'm the official communications consultant for Sayo and through my agency we also work with other non-profits against FGMC, US network to end FGMC, Asia network to end FGMC. Um, I myself, I'm a victim of child sexual abuse as well and uh, it's like you said, it, my, my abuse happened at the hands of my mother's brother my uncle. Wow. It was in my house when my parents were napping. So again, it's something, and I was seven years old. So again, it's something which is, yeah, which is just a betrayal trauma. So yeah. working with CSA, um, CSA nonprofits, and sharing my story or just, just working with them, just working with them, taking part in lots of projects and programs and campaigns in which you feel like at least your experience is making a difference. And I feel like because I'm a survivor of FGMC, it becomes very easy for me to help not nonprofits with their marketing because this is my skill. I'm extremely yeah. skilled. This is my area of expertise, hmm. right? Yeah. So I am able to provide these services, not just as someone who's providing these services, but somebody who has already experienced and is a survivor of what, these big organizations are trying to stop. So um, whether it's giving these services for free, whether it's working on a grant, for, for anything, we never say no because I am so passionate about this uh, subject. I, I really want to see it end. So yeah. that really helps me that, okay, this is my area of expertise. I can lend you all of this expertise whenever you want it with all the passion that you yourself are working towards because i'm a survivor. So these things have really helped me.
0: Wow, that's so amazing to me and i and and i really want to say Shabana thank you so much for always showing up and for sharing your story. I know that quite some time ago i had someone on my show from 28 too many and they actually had mentioned you to me, you know, your story and i think that that's it's so so powerful exactly like you're saying to share stories and also for other people to hear your story and you know even if they are kind of on the outside now looking in and going wow I I just want to be educated I want to learn from you I want to learn from your experience I want to I want to know you know so that I can be more aware even in my communities I need to be more aware I need to be more awake of what's going on you know just hearing your story is making it real to us it's it's really really making it real to us and showing us reality you know oftentimes you can just read about certain things and you read the effects of it you know but when someone shares their story it's so completely different and 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 i'm just so grateful for you doing that like consistently with different organizations in your personal capacity just everywhere this is this is is really powerful and just to even have you on the show today i know that there's still so many things i want to ask you but you know, just having you here today is really special. So thank you, like, it's just, it's great to have you sharing your story. So I really honor you for being able to be so brave and courageous to share your story. Cause I'm sure for a lot of people, they, they don't and they have their own reasons for doing that. And we're okay with that as well. But to have the courage to share is so powerful.
1: Thank you. No, I completely agree with this because what I didn't realize is it's like you said, Unless you know somebody who has experienced this, it doesn't make it really real for you. Oh. So, when I started posting about, when I started writing blog posts for Sahihu on my experience, then sharing it on my Facebook, and I had my friends and my classmates, people who know me for years and years, read about this, and they were just shell shocked. The messages I received, and all of them going, What? This is yeah. happening to like you know women we know. And I'm like, yes, and probably there are more women around you that this has happened to. So, yeah. yes, it makes a huge difference. And then they read up on it and then they get angry about it. And then they mm. look up all of these organizations and they do something, whether it is just sharing, resharing my story or whether it is making a donation to these organizations or signing petitions. Anything, anything. It leads them to take action towards all of the things we are doing to try and bring social change against us.
0: Mm, Absolutely. And that collective, almost collective activism, which it becomes, is really, really powerful. I think people underestimate exactly what you were saying, signing petitions or making that donation. And I think towards the end of the show today, I think we're also going to give some, you know, tools on, on what our response should be as as normal Everyday human beings walking around, we've now been hearing your story, being educated. And I think towards the end of the show, we need to just throw out some ways that people can get more involved because that collective activism and collective raising our voices is so important and powerful. And I just, you know, I'm saying to the listeners today, we don't want you to go anywhere. We still have so much to share. We're going to take a really, really quick music break, but don't go anywhere. Enjoy some music with us when we get back. Shabana is still going to be with us and we're going to get into even more territory talking about fgm so don't go anyway you're with me lauren jacobs here on voice of change today and it's so good to have you along with me i hope that you've been with us from the beginning of today's show because shabana has been sharing with us her incredibly personal and very very powerful story that we need to hear and also a bit of a challenge on you know us getting involved and what we need to be doing. But before we get to that, Shabana, I wanted to ask you, you know, before we went to the music break, you also mentioned, you know, when family members, particularly male family members, whether it be fathers, grandfathers, uncles, brothers, you know, when they hear about these practices and that some of their family members have been exposed to these practices and undergone this, you know, they have a sense of anger. We don't often think about that, the
1: male response. And tell us a bit more about that. So I think men are such powerful, incredible allies for us to stop these things because most of the time they don't even know that this is happening. Most of them, them have just been absolutely shocked that this is taking place right under their noses. And once they get involved, once they know that this is happening to our sisters, to our daughters, to our mothers, then they say, stop, stop. And in a patriarchal society, their voice is important. Mm. I'm sorry, but that's the truth. Their voice is important because it is a patriarchal society the the head of the community is a man who's saying that this should happen to small girls. Mm. So, um, you know, these men standing up, fathers saying, no, I am not going to let this happen to my daughter that's going to help because a lot of the times what happens is it's usually um, the matriarch of the family that wants this, wants to uphold the tradition. So for example, when I say matriarch, I mean my grandmother, my father's mother. So my mother is, um, my mother is educated. She has a diploma in pharmacy. So it's, you know, she studied science and medicine. Yeah. So- I asked her, I was like, you you studied medicine, why did you do this? So she said, I asked your grandmother that, do I need to do this? And she said, she only said, yes, hmm. it happens with us. When we say that in Hindi, it, it that's exactly, that's a literal translation that just means that, yes, this is a tradition that takes place in the community. So yes, you need to do it. So you see, if the sons or the grandfathers, they knew about this. And they said, no, I don't care that this happens. You're not doing this to my daughter, to my granddaughter. So I don't even think that my father knew about this. My brothers did not know about this. I mean, later on only my my younger brother, he read up on it, he was watching documentaries. And like I said, then he was the one who brought it to my attention. Hmm. So I do think that men, because because, come on, there are two parents, there's a mom and a father. So when the father says no, This is not just your decision. This is not my mother's decision. This is not an aunt's decision. This is my decision as well. She's my daughter as well. And I'm not going to let this happen to my daughter. That's so powerful. So yes, Mm -hmm. men, male allies are so powerful.
0: And you know, one of the the one of the things that people often ask when they hear about practices like FGM or when they hear about child brides, for example, they always ask the question of, you know, if if it's a woman, say like, for example, like what you just shared with us, you know, your grandmother saying yes, this is what needs to happen. People yeah. then often ask. How can someone believe that? you know people often respond like that. How can someone believe that? How can someone want to do something like that? But isn't cultural as well as religious or just you know societal beliefs so deep inside of us sometimes that we do things that's in line with the culture, the society we're living, you know you know even religious beliefs come into different areas of life and and is that what really kind of drives? women especially like you say, the matriarchs of the family to want to continue these practices is it rooted in, in in belief personal belief like cultural is that what really drives people to continue to say yes this needs to happen
1: i don't think it's it's cultural and it's also there's just a lot of religious belief around it so um the religious belief for example around it the, the reasoning behind it is that it's done for purity FGMC in this community the the hood of the clitoris is cut off because it's it makes the girl pure mm. so you see the problem is that no one questions it when people start questioning it then you have organizations popping up then you have a movement that says this is not correct it's not medically beneficial It is extremely harmful. It's proven. So let's stop doing it. So I do think that, yes, it is cultural beliefs and it is religious beliefs. It's also, it's it's religious orders. Hmm. This is an order coming down from the leader of the community who's saying that, no, you need to do this even after everything has been proven. And they also, they twist the belief to what they believe in. So what they say is, oh, no, the khatna that we perform is not FGMC. Hmm. It's not. We just cut, it's just a small nick. It doesn't come under FGMC. So you see, this is it's, it's literally as if they're in denial. Yeah. So that's really harmful because they themselves don't want to even accept that they are doing something that's harmful. And their other um, sort of argument is that, oh, you were traumatized there are so many other girls who are not traumatized so what there are so many of them yeah there's so many of them who grew up and you know so many of us are very happy that this happened so yeah you're traumatized it's it's sort of your problem so Mm -hmm. it's very difficult to convince them that look this is just something that's harmful why would you even take a chance on a girl being traumatized and also it's just something that's absolutely not needed so yes it is rooted in in religious belief and also it's like I said because nobody asks why why are we doing this why do we need to do this for example even in our community we pierce the ears of girl babies Mm -hmm. when they're really young so nobody asks hey why don't you leave that choice up to the girl yeah it's an earpiece piercing right like okay, I, didn't want, I don't want to have it done when I'm a baby. Maybe I grew up, I'm a teenager, and then I want to get three piercings in my ears. Yeah. I want to get five piercings in my ears. It's totally up to me. Or for example, you did a piercing of, a, of your baby, of the ear piercing, and because she's a baby, you got them wrong. They're not equal now, hmm. right? So yeah. leave that up to the girl because this is, again, it's something you don't need to do it. She can grow up and she can decide that she wants, she can even be a child and you can ask her when she's seven, Hey, you know, you like all your aunts wearing earrings. Do you want to do this? And she says, yes, yes, yes. And you tell her it's going to hurt. It's going to be painful. Mm. No, no, no. no. I still want to do it. (laughs) That's that just makes it a more positive experience than me looking around. I have girlfriends who are like, yeah, my, my, my ears were pierced when I was a baby. So you see one is like, you know, one holds up and one is down. So I'm just like, ask, Mm -hmm. ask. Why is this done? Why? Question your traditions. So that's what's happening now. And also, the other thing is, finally, there's a focus, there's a shift in the world. And the shift is towards mental health. Before, nobody cared. No one cared that the women are suffering mental health issues. My mother's had khatna done to her. My mother and her sister, my aunt, she's had khatna done to her. So that's what my mom says, right? Yeah. My mom says that, yeah, it's just something that's just going on. We never questioned it. We were never allowed to question it. And there was no connection. There was nothing like, you know, oh, you're depressed. Oh, you feel traumatized. Oh, like, you know. And Mm -hmm. my mother's been sexually abused and harassed so many times. Has she ever spoken up? Has she ever said this to anybody? No. It's just like, okay, this mm. is just something you have to suffer as a woman. So I think the focus on mental health issues also really helps that that we focus and we ask these things in your childhood, they affect you as adults. Yeah. And because of this, now we are striving to make a change. Mm. And that's
0: such a good thing. It's such a positive thing as well. Like you were saying about mental health and mental health awareness. I know, you know, it's even... You see it in society here, and even among family members. It's like the shame that keeps people from not speaking up about their depression or their anxiety or the things that they struggle with, and the link often in their childhood things that they, you know, people have experienced. Individuals go through, and I think it's so so. What you're saying is also. It's it kind of shines a little bit of a positive light. The, the world is shifting and changing. And I think as much as what people like to debate, you know, the Me Too movement, you know, when, when the Me Too movement began, it was so, it's, it's been powerful because there has also been a shift for women to now speak up and to say, yes, Me Too, this has happened to me. And now what do we do? You know, how do we make these changes? And that's why. Questioning, I think, the practices that we get handed, and I think of when it comes to female purity, that's something that is very prevalent uh, in different religious beliefs. We even see it here where girls are married so young, you know, child brides because of you know they need to be pure. How can we keep them pure? How can we keep them you know from not engaging with different men? We're going to marry them off young, and it's sad it's sad so we begin to have these teachings and practices that are so harmful and I think it's so important that we question that we speak up and I want to ask you today you know as as people who do you know just for the listeners who are listening who maybe are now saying wow I've never really been exposed to this before I'm really interested in knowing more what should our response be should we get educated should we educate ourselves should we be creating awareness What should our response be? What what would you want people to do so that we can help, you know, stop these kind of practices?
1: I think for sure the first step is to educate yourself, become aware so you understand what it's about. Um, Read up on the websites of nonprofits that are trying to end this. A lot of them even have resources on how to talk to survivors. Because once you educate yourself, and once you're aware of it, you might realize that there are women around you that have had this done to you. Maybe you you want to talk to them, mm-hmm. but you should know how to talk, them, talk to them before you think about talking to them. This is very important because you don't yeah. want to make it worse. Yeah. And once you educate yourself, then there are so many actions that you can take. You can sign petitions. There are, there's a United Nations uh, petition to end FGMC by 2030. So there's that lofty goal and you can sign petitions of these nonprofits, it helps, it really helps. The more voices, the bigger the collective becomes, it shows the power, it it shows that more and more women do say, yes, we want this to end. Mm -hmm. And you can um, follow these, follow the nonprofits, support them on social media. It helps them, it makes them, because these are women, we're working tirelessly to do campaigns, to to create uh, communication, to create messaging that helps others know about it and brings brings about a change. So you supporting really helps. And also for sure, making donations helps even something as less as $10, $15, $25. It helps because this money that you donate goes towards creating programs in which we try and we raise the voices of survivors, of women impacted, of brothers and fathers who want this to stop, it helps us towards all of those things. It helps us create tools, resources, campaigns, programs, projects to go on ending this. Mm -hmm. So yes, for sure, this, this helps. And just something as simple as you sharing this on your social media will help because others who read it will understand that, you know, there's this, there's this another issue that women face. And it's not Mm. like you said, it's not as far away or as exotic as you think that it happens in some African tribes. No, it happens everywhere. So you really need to start talking about it, share and see what what action you can take, whether Maybe they're within your own city or within your own country. There mm-hmm. are nonprofits that are working to end this. Maybe you want to volunteer with them. Maybe you want to, you know, something as simple as volunteering and helping them out in little things, something as simple as proofreading yeah. their uh, annual report or mm-hmm. they are uh, helping them proofread their materials or something like this. It really helps because everyone's working for free everyone's a volunteer and everyone's doing so much for something that's that's so prevalent so Mm. yes there are so many ways in which you can help you can get involved you can make a monetary donation if you don't have the time to get involved you can sign petitions Mm.
0: awesome shabana thank you so much for that and i think that we we have really given that challenge to the listeners today and, and i want my listeners to really think about it and to you know, get involved and to think how you need to be involved. And Shabana, thank you so much for being here on Voice of Change today because truly your voice, I truly believe, is making changes and will continue to make change. And I want to just say all the best for the incredible work that you are doing and all the best with your own personal journey. Thank you for really showing up in this world and for being so courageous to share your voice. And, again, thank you for being
1: here. It's been so good to have you on this show. Thank you so much, Lauren. It's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure and an honor. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much.
0: I'm so grateful that we held space on the show today to hear a story that is so important. This is not a story. This is someone's life. This is Shabana's life, her reality, and she's sharing it with us. And, you know, one of the things that really struck me so deeply when listening to her is when she spoke about, you know, betrayal trauma. It's not something we talk about often, but it is a very big reality. A family that should protect a young child just didn't. I know that this kind of betrayal happens in many different atmospheres, in many different family lives, in many different ways it happens. You know, when children are not protected from sexual abuse in their families, when children are not protected from abuse in their families, be it physical, emotional, verbal Young children, and especially young girls and young boys, but young children deserve our protection. And, you know, it's it's really intense when we have to look at ourselves as parents, as guardians, grandparents, aunts, uncles, godparents, and think, how am I involved in being someone who is not betraying my child, my godchild, my grandchild? How am I there? for this young girl or young boy? How am I there for them in a world that can be quite chaotic sometimes? And I think that that's a big challenge for us today, along with the challenge to, you know what, sign a petition against FGMC, speak up, share something even on your social media, make people aware. It's, you know, it doesn't take that much effort in fact, to share something on social media or just to say, hey, you know, let's get more knowledgeable about these practices. How is it happening in our society? How can we get involved? And, you know, it's it's important for us to raise a collective voice. The more of us that speak up together, the more change we can impact. It's been so good to be with you. And, you know, next week on the show, I'm excited to have Michael Battle with me, whose new book all about the spiritual practices in the life of Desmond Tutu is, Causing quite some inspiration around, and we have a, a beautiful giveaway to give to you. So stay tuned for next week's Voice of Change. We're going to be announcing that giveaway on our Facebook page next week, Wednesday. So don't forget to go on over and like our page, Kate pulpit page on Facebook. We're going to be doing a giveaway of Michael's incredible book. Also, she's going—he is going to—I'm I'm so used to saying she on the show today—he is going to be sharing with us all about you know the impact that Desmond Tutu has made in his life. More walking a path together with him and what he has learned from his courageous and sometimes hard life so it's going to be really really great see you next week thursday i cannot wait to be with you don't forget the giveaway it's going to be happening next wednesday so go on over and like our facebook page take care and see you then this insert was brought to you by radio k pulpit
1: seven to nine a.m please visit kpulpit.co.za